With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. If we look 10 years from now, the amount of people that are going to be entrepreneurs and doing their own thing because they can create a community that one to 10,000 people even, that they're really invested in that community. If you can create something like that, I think the opportunities, especially with what's going to happen with NFTs and blockchain and everything, is going to be super substantial. It starts with just taking that leap. Man, you have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart. Choose something that even if it fails, fails, you are going to be proud of. It doesn't matter how badly you got beaten. Be kind, be kind, be kind. Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders. I am Tom Alamo, and my uh, nine-to-five job is uh, an account executive. I'm in sales at Gong, which is a revenue intelligence startup in San Francisco. On the side, I am the founder and creator of the Millennial Sales podcast and blog, which helps young salespeople uh, attract success in their career and and get themselves to the next level. Before you were everything you are today, I want to hear about one of those early experiences, training and and, um, developing those entrepreneurial tendencies. I come from an entrepreneurial family. Um, On my dad's side, we have a family business that my grandfather uh, has run for about 40 years now. So I think that's it's in my blood a little bit. But in fifth grade, I did start a sports magazine called CSN, which stands for Cube Sports Network. Cube, like the shape. We would write uh, on my, we had a, a Gateway 99, like huge computer in the attic of my house. And me and my buddies would write sports articles and magazines. And then we'd go and we'd sell them around my neighborhood. I'd sell them subscriptions to uh, people in my family. And um, that was like the first hustle back in, in fifth grade. So it brought two of my current passions together, which is entrepreneurship and uh, writing and, and creating. What do you think it is about like kids who start businesses at that age? Because like, 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 like there's some kids that I've talked to or, or now adults, but when they were kids, they were like, hey, like I want to start this business to make money because my parents won't give me any. Or I want to start business just because I like the joy and like the passion of figuring out where there's a hole in the market and trying to fill it, trying to build something. What do you think drove you to make something like this at such an early age? Yeah, it wasn't, it it was not financial at all at that point. Like in fifth grade, I don't even know what I would have really wanted money for. Um, I, I, to get a video game or something like that, maybe, um, and the money that we were making was so insignificant that it it wasn't going to do much. Uh, I didn't like set up a college fund for me or anything. I think it was more just like we we loved at that point like loved sports. You know, had this like budding passion for writing for some reason and just like that was just fun. You know, I I still played video games and I still played sports and did other things with my friends but for some reason like we were just all having so much fun doing it, 
creating and trying to figure it out and trying to, you know, write like they did in Sports Illustrated and then trying to figure out like, you know, what kind of like pricing can we offer the neighbor to buy this subscription? And it was just about like setting a challenge and trying to figure it out. And yeah, I think most things when you're successful at them, you have, you find a way to have fun throughout the process. So, cause otherwise you're going to just get, you know, bored with it or you don't really have like a sustaining factor. So we, we were having a ton of fun. You took that, that knowledge and, and that skill to knives later on. Uh, can you tell me about uh, selling knives and, and how you got into that? Flash forward to, I was in college. I was a tennis player in college. And so I would teach tennis in the summers as a job. It's a pretty good gig. I got shoulder surgery. I couldn't teach. So I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do that summer for work and try to make money. And I see this bright uh, flyer on the ground of a grocery store parking lot. And it says something to the effect of make money, work your own hours, run your own business type of thing. And so I'm like, this sounds awesome. And you flash back to fifth grade and you're like, this yeah. is what I was thinking of all along. And start salivating. Yeah. No, I, uh, which is funny that we talk, we're talking about selling things door to door. Now we're, we're talking about selling knives because I was actually, and am naturally a very introverted person. Like my mom knew me as the kid that like would not talk at family outings, you know, and would just kind of like stick to himself. And so when I told her that I was going to sell knives, in people's homes and kind of go door to door and do that. Like she strongly encouraged against that. Um, I went forward anyway, and it turned out to be one of the best decisions I ever made because it got me into sales. It's, it's a cutthroat, ruthless job, uh, and you either love it or you hate it. And I ended up loving it, did really well, made a ton of money, and um, just started me off in this path of sales, which you know I've, I've been going on for you know, close to 10 years now, including those, those knife days. What do you think it was about your personality or how you approach sales that allowed you to succeed? And, and, and maybe if you could broaden that to the skill set of, of introverts and, and, and why they're just as, as capable, uh, salespeople as, as any other personality. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think when we're talking about salespeople, I think we can bucket entrepreneurs in here too, because I think these traits will carry in both directions. The first thought that you probably have with a salesperson is like the loud, pushy, wolf of Wall Street type of vibe. And there's certainly plenty of those types of people in sales. But the most effective, the best salespeople I know, many of them are introverts because a lot of the qualities that you need to be a great salesperson is not the gift of gab. It's actually being a really good listener. Right? It's asking really good questions. It's being able to pick up body language and have really good emotional intelligence or EQ. And so if you have those things, it's really a, a psychological game that you're, that you're playing with people, right? You're trying to understand the human psychology in a conversation and try to match someone's pain to something that you can help them solve or some sort of pleasure that you can uh, help them with based on your product or service. And so I think introverts tend to have better EQ, tend to be better listeners and ask better questions. And um, I think that's, that's helped to make me successful there. I think on top of that, it's just like the days of playing sports. I'm extremely competitive with myself uh, and with others sometimes. And so like setting goals and trying to achieve them and focusing on numbers and things like that has always been like a driver for me and trying to be the best version of myself. And I think if you have any of that in you, whether you are a, a yogi or a tennis player or a violinist or whatever it might be, I think that plays really well in the world of sales and entrepreneurship. 
Yeah. So, so leaving college, realizing that you, you had a gift in, in, in sales and, and, and were interested in entrepreneurship. How does that lead to your, to your next sales gig? So the, the Cutco, I think, was my sophomore year of college, and I, I did a few other internships, and I interned at Tech Target my summer going into senior year. Ended up really loving it. Loved the culture there. Felt very at home. I was able to make some good connections with, with the leaders there. And so it was one of those situations where you're there the summer before and ended up you know landing the job there for when I graduated school. And I think the reason why I was really interested in it, it one of the main reasons was they had such a great training coming out of school. A lot of people, you graduate college, you get a sales job, you are hitting the desk and you are making 100 cold calls every single day. And if you don't get a certain amount of sales or meetings or whatever the goal is, like you're fired. And um, that wasn't the approach there. It was Hey, we're going to take everyone for two months. We're going to put you in a classroom. We're going to teach you about sales. We're going to teach you about the industry. We're going to have you talk to our CEO and our president and our board of directors and all these people. And like, we're going to give you a master class on sales to set you up for success. And that was super interesting to me. And a lot of the people that I went through that sales training class, you know, some are still there and very successful and others are at some of the top companies in the world, you know, really successful still in the world of sales. In 2017, when you start your podcast, what was the reason? I want to tell you a quick story that's going to lead to this. Coming out of school, like six months in, college lifestyle, I'm bringing that into the professional world. Like I'm going out five nights a week and I don't really have like goals. I don't really have like any sort of mentality of of success, really. Like I'm working hard, but that's really it. And I came across a book to Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It changed my life. It was the first time that it had been written to me or or spoken to me that I can control my own destiny. And here are the steps to take for you to do whatever you want to do and make an impact on the world. I was like, this is the stuff right here. Like this hits me in the soul. And so I moved from Boston to San Francisco. I changed a lot of things about my life and I get on this personal development kind of track. You know, you mentioned Tim Ferriss earlier, those types of people, Tony Robbins, I'm getting really into that. And I see that it's starting to work. And so I say, I want to find really interesting people who have great stories to share and try to extract as much wisdom as I can from them and pass it to, you know, people that are interested in trying to get better. Very, very much like what you're doing right here. And it's also, I'm sure you're realizing this. How many episodes of this pod have you done? hundred and 60? Yeah. Like it is the number one best way to network and meet cool people. Because if you ask someone that's a cool founder, hey, uh, you know, I'm Samuel, like, do you want to grab a coffee? They might say yes. They probably say no. But hey, do you want to talk for an hour about, you know, your success? It's like, hell yeah, I do. So in starting that podcast, like, were there some of those moments where you had a conversation or an opportunity opened up because of, of the podcast and the work that you were doing there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, having a podcast has helped me to you know, meet people that have been my mentor and great friends. It's helped me get the job that I have today, which is at one of the fastest growing software companies in the world. It's led to customers that I've gotten through selling, and it's opened up other opportunities for you know, making money, like having podcast sponsorships. You know, I wrote my first ebook last year. 
to me, it always goes back to this. There's two ways that you can get a job, right? You're either going to do the normal way where you apply to a job, you send them your resume, and hopefully you get the job. Or you are so well-known in your world and people value you so much that they're begging you to come work at their company. Those opportunities are jumping at you. And I get people that I interview all the time like, hey, next time you're looking for a job, like give me a call. Like I'd love to have you on. Um, That's not to be braggadocious. It's just that's the opportunity you get when you put yourself in the right room talking to the right people and, you know, have done your homework. And just listening too, right? Like really what you're doing, going back to like the sales advice, like you're just listening to these people's stories. And like so often people are actually just not listened to. For once, you're just letting someone talk and you're listening to them. And the power of that is really like, I think, a large portion of why so many doors open from hosting podcasts or creating like a content business like this. What are some of the projects that really like get you up? Like what's coming next? I'm doing a lot of research and I I think if we look 10 years from now, the amount of people that are going to be entrepreneurs and doing their own thing because they can create a community that one to 10,000 people even, that they're really invested in that community. If you can create something like that, I think the opportunities, especially with what's going to happen with NFTs and blockchain and everything, is going to be super substantial. So for me, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, what are ways that I can create a tighter community with my audience? What more value can I bring them outside of just like the podcast and the blog? Yeah, the creator economy is exploding. The The entrepreneurial community is exploding. And because now so much of our work is decentralized and, and remote, like now people are going to be able to do their own thing from anywhere in the world. Uh, and I think it is going to shake a lot of things up, but also present a lot of opportunity. So if you were to give one piece of advice um, on something that you've learned over the past like year that you think is going to be most beneficial for the future, what would that one piece of advice be? I think that small actions compounded daily can end in massive results. And if I unpack that a little, when we think about you know, wanting to get better, right? If you want to create a business, if you want to get healthier, whatever it is that your goal is, and you have a big goal, it's really, it can be really daunting and really scary to look at and and almost to the extent where you don't even want to try it. But if you take 30 minutes or an hour or 15 minutes, any chunk of time that you can spare per day, and you pay yourself first and you do that thing, whatever it is, in a day, it's going to mean nothing. In a week, it's going to mean pretty much nothing. But in a year, in three years, in five years, the results can be huge. Um, and when you play that out over the rest of your life, like you can absolutely change your life just by doing small little things every single day. So again, whatever folks are trying to do, um, create a business potentially based on this podcast or whatever it might be, um, if you start taking those steps in the right direction, you could look up to a completely different life a few years from now. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe rate the podcast five stars and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner. Our chief of staff and operations is Jessica Lynn. Our audio editing team lead is Adrian Tapia. Support from Irene Van Berkel, Matt Fernandez, Renee B. Cannon, Sophia Donner, Maura Lynch, Zoe Maddox. 
Ashley Jimenez, Michael Chung, Nicholas Guzman, Aaron Devereaux, Sanessa Gisley, and Lois Choi. Our outreach and research lead is Kenny Ong, with support from Sarah Hobson, Melody Sopani, Therese Tan, Jake Wiley, Ibadat Rai, and Mecca Shelton. Our writing team lead is Elizabeth Bowen with support from Abigail Azardia, Elise Caldwell, Jake Wiley, Jordan Ortiz, and Sanessa Gisley. Our design team lead is Shruti Ramanand with support from Sohel Amartya, Tiffany Dang, Jonathan Wass, and Diana Marie Kandaza. To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.co. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.